The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to tape on the W2M Network. Everybody, welcome into the kickoff here on W2M Network. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am your host. Joining me, as per usual, my co-host, Brandon Biscabing. Hey, guys. What's up? And Eric Watkins. Woo! Let me get two claps in a Ric Flair. <laughs> Sorry. When, when I think football and I think woo, that's what comes to my mind. Stephen yeah. Ert is unfortunately not able to join us ne- this week. We hope to have him back next week. We'll see what happens. I make no promise. Que sera, sera. Also, the man on the ones and twos, and who will probably be chiming in here and there as he deems necessary, Sean Garmer. Real quick, let's get the plugs out of the way. Um, you are listening to us probably through either one of your many multitude of availabilities for podcast listening, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play Store. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of other places. Apparently, we're on one of what, – what was the name of that app Patrick told me about? I don't remember it now. Like chat box or something. I forget what it is, but it has like a bunch of the uh, – a bunch of the non-blog talk radio podcasts on it. So I'll have to Cast look that box. up. And see. <laughs> Thank you. Cast box. <laughs> see, I knew Sean would chime in here and there. <laughs> well, you said I'm it so like a... almost disappointed that I would be chiming in in there. So, you know, I'm also going to be blatantly honest with everybody before we get the show started. I have been battling a sinus infection all week, so therefore I do not sound like my normal self. I will try to grin and bear it through the show. If you listened to the SmackDown Live and the 205 Live reviews last night on the W2M Network, you'll understand that, yeah, my sinuses have been kicking my backside for the better part of the last 72 hours. That was the cause of my one miss of the year so far. Sinuses suck, dude. Yes, yes, they do. Of course. Yo, yeah. Let's talk about people who did suck and people who didn't suck. <laughs> Segway! <laughs> it's time for studs and duds. Eric, you're up first. Who's your stud? I mean, oh, let me go back because I had it and I also had a perfectly good intro laid out. Yes, folks, um... Always remember, have your cables in the proper places, otherwise your internet will hate you. (laughs) I'm going to need a quick second. (laughs) Well, I can tell you who your stud is. I'm looking right at it. With with all the chaos, I wish I was. It's been one of those extra long nights for me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'll give you a clue. He's big, he's Ben, and he's not in London. <laughs> ah, yes, the Roethlisberger himself. Mr. <laughs> this is AFC North football, and let's be honest, it really was. I mean, a comeback win like that, a couple of big touchdowns, almost 300 yards, setting up Chris Boswell to kick his third winner or third game winner of the season. 
Yeah, it was one of those where if you tuned in early enough, you scratched your head like I did. But in the end, Steelers are going to be the Steelers. Welcome to 10 and 2. This is the holiday season, so for the rest of the month, we should call him the Burger Rothless Rothlessburger. You know, I can get behind that. <laughs> My name is Harry Broadhurst, and I approve that message. <laughs> um, I would also like to point out that actually it's winner, winner by the kicker dinner. <laughs> He nearly became my stud just because of that, but I was like, I don't know. Close <laughs> but no cigar. I, I thought about making an alien joke because, you know, Roswell, Boswell, but I just decided against it. Um, Brandon, hit me. Who's your stud? My stud for this week out of the undefeated yet still as yet not in the playoffs. Ugh. Mackenzie Milton, 494 yards, five touchdowns in their win to win the American Conference against Memphis this past weekend. Well, it's a good thing he had a good performance because his coach said, hasta la vista, baby. Well, of course he did because he doesn't have any reason to be there. Not to mention Nebraska. I mean... You really got to have motives and think you're going to go somewhere if you're leaving Orlando for Nebraska. (laughs) I would take this opportunity to point out that he's just now going to continue to be Wisconsin's biatch. (laughs) Well, I mean, crazier things have happened in the Big Ten West, though. Mm. I mean, Northwestern's been relevant again for the last couple of years. Crazy things indeed. Shall we say stranger things have happened? <laughs> ah, ah, I see what you did there. Ah, wow. I have Netflix and I still don't watch it, so I don't see what you did anyways. Um, you that, Harry. I don't see a stud listed for Steven. Maybe he didn't think anybody stood out. Yeah, I, I, I saw that he made his one pick for later on, but... I, I didn't notice anything with that. I don't know. No, I have both I have both of his picks for later, and I will be revealing them when the time comes. But I don't see a stud picked for Steven, so we're just going to skip over his. Um, so do you remember when a bunch of us were just starting to do this show, and there was a certain team down in Louisiana that was 0-2, and, and everyone was completely writing them off? <laughs> oh, Except for oh. you and me. And, and not only were they 0-2, but they were getting ready to go to uh, Bank Life Stadium in Carolina and play the Panthers, who were 2-0. <laughs> yeah, that uh, – I had to eat a little crow on that one. <laughs> that team is now 9-3, and and the ageless wonder that is Drew Brees has once again made himself an MVP candidate as he has led the Saints to the top of the NFC South. My stud for the week is Drew Brees. Drew Brees agrees. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's look at duds for the week, shall we? Um, For the record, well, I, I mean, I guess I can just go ahead and say it here. Eric Homer! Yeah. I will admit, thank you, though, because I got to save a lot of money on shipping costs. 
because everybody thought that I was delusional for picking against Miami in the ACC championship game. Yeah, not only did the turnover chain not show up, but then Clemson goes off and has their championship chain. I I mean, come on. There were a couple of bad interceptions, turnovers. And while there was improvement over the last time these two teams met, losing 38-3 to still doesn't sit 100% well with me. My dud is a Hurricanes offense because... It really, you couldn't have been at least a little bit better, made it a little bit closer, just to no, nothing. All right, I'm sorry to do this to you, Eric. I don't know if you saw it, and it's going to require a little bit of description here because this was an actual visual aid, and this is an audio podcast. Mm-hmm. So, did you watch game day before the Miami-Clemson game? No, I did not. There was a sign in the crowd held up by a Clemson fan that had the University of Miami logo on a Coca-Cola can. Oh, God. And the sign said, Choke, the official soft drink of Mark Richt. Oh. Uh. No, I... There's a part of me that just wants to punch something right now, but I can't. I I can. I gotta I gotta hand it to Clemson fans. At least they're being a little bit clever. I, I ain't even mad. <laughs> True words had never been illustrated. <laughs> Brandon Dud hit me. I, I'm gonna stick with a college offense that has has played very well and then put a giant not quite a goose egg, but close enough to it. Auburn's offense, after scoring 26 against Alabama last week, and 40 in their first meeting against Georgia, and scoring a lot throughout the whole entire year, they go on in their opportunity to solidify their spot in the playoff picture. They go on and only score seven points. Not mm-hmm. complaining, but Auburn, what are you doing? I, t- I said, watch out for Georgia. Auburn can't be up to beating three number one teams in the span of a month. Or in this case, two number ones and a number six. <laughs> Stevens Dud is Joe Flacco of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Baltimore beat Detroit on Sunday? I'm pretty sure they did. Somebody want to explain this one? He's not here to explain this one, so I'm confused. I guess because Flacco didn't have a good individual performance, even though he did. Yeah, I'm not going to uh I'm not going to expand upon this any further. If Steven wants to address this when he returns next week, if he returns next week, we'll let him do so because frankly this one confuses me. <laughs> My dud has nothing to do with performance during the course of the game because during the course of the game he was clearly the most dominant player on the field. Brandon, you live in the New York market. You probably got the the uh, Patriots and Bills game at one o'clock on CBS. Did you not? Yes, I did. 
Did you see Rob Gronkowski turn into a gigantic bitch? Um, I did a little. I was also flipping between that and the game on Fox. So, uh, uh, I saw it, but, and apparently, there's a little bit of a WWE motive behind it. <laughs> yeah, I I did see. I definitely did see what you were mentioning, though. Now that I think about it, I had to think about it for a second. But yes, I do remember the specific moment you are talking about. So. Uh, uh, his great and mighty holiness, Brady, gets intercepted. Stuff happens. It's the NFL. There are good cornerbacks throughout the league. Mistakes get made. People get hit. People make duck throws. They get picked off. It happens. Yeah, happens every quarterback. Brady's picked off by Buffalo Bills rookie cornerback, Tredavious White. Tredavious is going up the sideline and he gets knocked down to end the play until Rob Gronkowski comes in with a phenomenal forearm (laughs) while Tredavious is laying on the ground already, hitting him in the back of the head. Look, you may be boys with Mojo Raleigh. You may be a fan of the WWE, but this is the National Football League, Rob. Get your act together and don't be such a gigantic pussy. Exactly. <laughs> Just because you get in and you may be setting up a fight on SmackDown or Raw and whatever because you got a beef on Twitter, keep that on Twitter. Don't take that to your day job, bro. Uh, on a uh, positive WWE NFL uh, combination note. Did you guys see the touchdown celebration on Monday Night Football this week? Uh, where the, the who was it? The Steelers running back scored and then got pinned. Yes, yes, I did hear about it. I did not watch the game live because obviously during Mondays I'm well, watching Raw. I didn't but... watch either. I just got an ESPN alert with it, like as a video, and I watched it, and it was pretty cool. The Steelers have been ha- the Steelers have been stepping up their celebration game this year. Yes, they have been. The yeah, Steelers have been stepping up their game in other regards too. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Dramatic reverb and good technique. <laughs> so yeah, my dud for the week is the how do I put this? The shenanigans of one Robert Gronkowski. No no issues with his performance during the game. The Patriots completely dominated the Bills, and quite frankly, I expected it to happen. That being said, what Gronkowski did, there is no place for in the NFL, and frankly, one game probably wasn't enough. I would have gone at least two or three, but the NFL and Roger Goodell, who was going to make a handsome sum of money, even though he'll be taking a little bit of a pay cut. Yeah, he's not quite all right when it comes to, you know, handing out suspensions. Well, you know, and also, I don't think he, I mean, he made an enemy already with the Ezekiel Elliott thing in Jerry Jones. And uh, him and Robert Kraft aren't exactly on the best of terms because of the whole Tom Brady debacle a couple, uh, last year or a couple of years ago. You know, it's a pay cut. You know, and, it's funny that you guys mentioned the whole Roger Goodell extension thing because so 
that happened. <laughs> Segway! <laughs> Roger Goodell signed a five-year extension to continue as the commissioner of the NFL and continue to do the absolute impossible, make Bud Selick look competent. <laughs> Oh, Duke. Oh, no, no. We don't mention that name. No, 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 no. I said, I've said this before on this podcast, Eric. I will say it again. Paul Tagliabue, he isn't. No. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. What the hell? Yeah, and, and, and the reason why I say there's a little bit of lining in this is because it's a little bit more intensive because there's a lot of bonuses. And even if he hits all of the marks to get those bonuses, he's only going, quote-unquote, only going to make $200 million, which that average is topping out at $40 million a year. He was making closer to forty-five on his last deal. Okay, to be fair... The last time we saw somebody that incompetent able to make that much money at once, he ended up in the White House. <laughs> oh, dear God, don't uh, mind me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. All right. Before we continue to talk about the folly that is Roger Goodell, let's move on to other stuff for so that happened. And let's talk about Marcus Peters, shall we? Right. Yes. Let's. <laughs> uh, Marcus Peters does his best tryout for the Olympics in the shot put competition, except he uses a referee's penalty flag to do it. Did, did they? I, I know they were talking about it on the broadcast when it happened. Was the fan actually able to keep the flag? You know what? I don't know, and now I really want to find out. So, <laughs> no, you. I, I, Curious, because he's holding up the flag, taking selfies and pictures, all that. He's like, "Yeah, I'm the man." <laughs> How much uh, are those flags? I wouldn't think they would be that much. Out of curiosity, here, and we found out the answer when the referee doesn't have his flag. You know what he has to throw? It's his hat. hat. His hat. They actually, the throwing of the hat is uh, twofold. It marks when a receiver was out of bounds and then comes back in. That helps for illegal touching. And it is secondary when a referee is out of flags. He does throw his hat. But, yeah, that was one of the most boneheaded moves I've seen in a game in in a long time. Yeah, I get frustration, but come on. Well, this is what happens when you're five and zero, oh, and now you're losing to the Jets and down oh, to yeah. five hundred. <laughs> yeah. Did the fan <laughs> to keep? I'm googling on air. <laughs> flag thrown. By Marcus. This is exhilarating radio. <laughs> you know, if you'd have let me know, I could have just Googled it while we were talking. Yeah. But, I mean, it. I, I remember that, that game switched after the, the uh, Patriots and Bills game ended. Um, 
and it was or was that one on CBS or Fox? I forget. CBS. Okay, yeah, so yes, it was CBS after the, the Patriots Bills game. Um and seeing that moment was just like the the first flag came in and I was like, okay, pass interference, whatever. And then he chucks it, you're like, Are you that how stupid do you have to be to to give your stu- your team another and I feel like they were still at least somewhat in it at that point, weren't they? Yeah. Um, I think that I think that ended up being the score that put the game out of reach. Okay. Not to mention, after that, he's like, you know what? I just threw a flag in the stands. I'm done. And he just, like, without, like, socks or anything, just walked off the field himself. Wasn't even ejected. Yes, he was, actually. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. The, uh, when they actually made the announcement for the unsportsmanlike conduct, they actually announced that he had been disqualified from the game. So all the fans uh-huh. whining and complaining that Peters walked down on the team after he threw the flag, no, he was ejected. And admittedly, rightfully so. The answer to the question, based on what I'm seeing, is no, the fan did not keep the flag because NFL. Uh-huh. It is still at certain points the no fun league. Oh, at least he got pictures, and he'll forever yeah. phone on Instagram. Um, I I really hope that there's a camera angle somewhere that actually shows the flag floating through the air and into the fan's hand. Because, quite frankly, do you guys know the one shining moment CBS tournament broadcast yeah. montage that they use? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If ever there was a moment that song was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> one shining moment. <laughs> the guy put up the flag in celebration. It's over. Done. Yeah. Book it. <laughs> uh, uh, so let's talk about the wheels on the bus going round and round, except that bus is actually a carousel. Okay. So, uh, Central Florida's coach left. Florida State's coach left and decided to go to the SEC because that makes sense. Let's go to a program with less talent where you're expected to win just as much. But make more money. I hate Florida State. I hate everything they stand for. You will never hear me say a positive word about them. Hey, uh, hello. You're not alone in that regard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but leaving a national powerhouse program like Florida State to go to Texas A&M yeah. seems no. borderline stupidity to me. Oh, it is. It clearly is. Because you're going from a top program in a still, you know, in a rising conference right now to... The a middle of the pack to maybe even lower end school in the SEC. Not only you're going to the SEC West as well. Hello, right. Alabama. Hello, yeah. Auburn. Hi, LSU. You're, and, going and you're not going to have a uh, Johnny football to save you. 
even then, you're going from a fantastic school right when your rival is licking its chops because you know that they're going to beat you for the next two, three years, but you can still contend, compete for division titles, conference titles, and if you're good enough, a national championship too. Yeah, you're making $7 million a year, and the best that you could hope for for the foreseeable future is third in your division yep. and maybe a middle tier bowl game. That's it. All right. So let's take this a step four, further. I, I would even say fourth or maybe even fifth in your division because you have LSU on the rise and you have Mississippi state on the rise as we've seen. Eh, LSU. I can give you a little bit, but no, um, Dan Mullen, he up and left. So, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Let's, let's go ahead and continue on this carousel because – so Florida State has a vacancy to fill now. And in a year where Chip Kelly's returning to college football, Oregon finds itself without a coach. <laughs> Imagine that. The American Athletic gets yet another slap in the face when Willie Taggart comes back to Florida, this time to coach the Knolls, leaving the Ducks behind after having left South Florida just a year prior. I guess he found out that life on the West Coast isn't as much fun as everybody makes it out to be. Mm-hmm. It, well, not in Oregon. Had it been Washington, it would have been a different story. Yeah, or California somewhere. You go from a place where it rains all the time to a place where it rains all the time back yep. to a place where it rains all the time. <laughs> the man loves rain. What yep. can you say? It seems kind of bilateral to me. <laughs> that being said, Oregon's nowhere near the national power it once was. Uh, his – how do I put this? His – Overall, national prospectus is going to go up significantly. His national status is going to go up significantly as the head coach of Florida State because Florida State is a nationally talked about team on a year-to-year basis. Oregon has not been such since Chip Kelly left. That being said, I think Taggart put himself in a difficult position by going to Florida State and taking this job here because the expectation levels at Florida State are going to be significantly higher than had the East State in Eugene, Oregon. Oh, of course, but also in terms of that national recognition aspect, um, with the exception of Oregon and under Chip Kelly, but that was only because of their offense, and with the exception of, you know, maybe USC, because of the time thing, the time issue, it seems like no team on the West Coast really gets much national airtime, um, I mean, case in point, the the whole controversy with uh, Christian McCaffrey a couple of years ago. And, and really what's going to, in part, count against Bright's love this year. Well, let's be honest. For as good of a season as Bryce Love has had, and the Heisman was going to be on my list of topics to discuss because they did announce the finalists for the Heisman Trophy. So, again, segue... But 
To an extent, though, when it comes to the whole West Coast bias thing with national reporters, though, Oregon's not enough of a powerhouse that people are really going to care about them on the East Coast anymore. Or is Florida State is national attention? Oh, no, I agree with that. I'm not saying that, you know, in terms of Oregon. Yes, I agree with you. But I'm just saying in general, I think a lot of coaches now are more skeptical and more iffy about going out to the West Coast because they know, they know unless they go to USC that they're not going to get the national attention that they would at at another school. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the conversation about the Heisman Trophy now that we're hopping off of that crazy coaching carousel, which is still going to spin round and round, and we're still going to break down all the happenings to you here on the kickoff. Um, so Lamar Jackson, again, because charity case – Oh, I really don't get how he was a finalist. I mean, yeah, he had, if you look at the spectrum, good numbers. Not great, not eye-popping, but good numbers. But overall, in your biggest games this season, he crapped the bed. Yeah, I mean, this this is my argument. I mean, I know the the Heisman isn't the same, isn't the same in terms of, how people graded and whatnot as as an MVP, but it's always funny to me when you know in any sport an MVP, yeah, he may have the the best numbers in the league, but his team is you know mediocre. MVP should mean MVP. Um, you know Heisman. You know it's not an MVP award, but it still is. You you still should not be getting it if your team is mediocre. And Louisville this year was beyond mediocre. They I don't even know what their record was this year. Eight and four. Yeah. So uh, Bryce Love, who is in my opinion the best running back to come out of the twenty sixteen seventeen or the twenty seventeen eighteen NFL class. Messages received from Patrick Ketza. Messages and Sam wakes up to this. <laughs> <laughs> Done, Harry. Well, it's his own damn fault. I told him not to message me right now. I'm doing the football podcast. <laughs> Anyways, now that my phone has been muted because Patrick doesn't know when to stop texting me. <laughs> Bryce Love, as I was saying, in my opinion, is definitely the class of the 2017-2018 NFL draft class. But that being said, though, I don't think Bryce was able to live up to his full potential because he was nursing an ankle injury for most of the year. Yeah, I mean, that's going to hurt him. But also, um, I mean, I'd have to think back. You, You would know better than I would. But it seems like, especially nowadays, uh, the Heisman voters have a love affair with quarterbacks. Um, I can't remember the last running back that won the Heisman. So it, it it's not going to be – it's going to be a lot harder for him to get votes than, than it was for – you know, than it would be for a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it has been a while. I mean – especially between underclassmen winning it and quarterbacks winning it every year. Jeez, I have to dig back real deep to see the last running back. Was it uh, 
I don't think it was even Derrick Henry. Might have been Richardson, one of the Alabama, recent Alabama running backs. But, I mean, between that and, as you pointed out, Brandon, the ankle injury, which was really, really apparent in the Big 12 champ or Pac-12 championship game against USC, how he would come in, got out for a good couple of plays, and then as he got towards the third and fourth quarter, went off the field limping. To me, I think that was a very gutty performance and worthy of it, but uh, a lot of voters aren't going to see it that way. And another thing, like I mentioned before, is he's going to have that Pac-12 issue where Hmm. not as many voters are seeing him all the time. So he don't have that um, constant, uh, that constant recognition that other conferences and other schools get. Um, I the the better the bigger question um, moving forward is how is that ankle injury and and the fact that he seemed to hurt it in the conference championship game and we'll see how he does uh, in their bowl game um, if he even plays but how is that going to affect his draft stock? Uh, the answer to your question is Derrick Henry. Okay. I figured it was and, one of the Alabama running backs. And then and then before him was another Alabama running back, Mark Ingram. They are the last two non-quarterbacks to win the uh, the Heisman Trophy. There was also a non-quarterback in 2005, but that champi- that trophy doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously the man I saved for last intentionally here as we wrap up so that happened with the Heisman Trophy discussion is the Oklahoma quarterback, Baker Mayfield. I don't think there's any question this is going to be Mayfield's trophy, especially after his performances in his rivalry game against Oklahoma State in the Red River rivalry where he brought Oklahoma back to defeat Texas. And in the Big 12 title game where he helped Oklahoma dominate TCU 41-17. Yes. There's a question raised in regards to Mayfield here. Is it possible that there are going to be people that won't vote for Mayfield based on the on the field antics that Mayfield has created the, during the course of the season? Specifically, the yelling of the expletives and the motioning towards his genital region, yelling "suck it" at the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, between that and what he supposedly did throwing a football at TCU during pregame warmups. It's going to cost him a few votes, but I think if you look at it regionally and overall with some former Heisman Trophy winners who get their vote, it's not going to cost them too much. I mean, I've said previously, you look at your big game, which for him was against Ohio State, check. Rivalry game, Bedlam, check. Your last game, Big 12 Championship, check. Check, check, check. Heisman's is. Yeah, I I definitely have to agree with that. I mean, if this were a more, if this were a closer race, if this were another year where there were more legitimate contenders for the Heisman, then maybe those those antics may affect him um, in in the voting. Uh, but this year. With him being the clear-cut front-runner, um, I think everyone can agree with that. And the fact that, you know, they, you know, 
yeah, they had a great start in the in the beginning of the season, beating Ohio State and everything. But then after losing to Iowa State, a lot of people, especially because it was the Big Twelve, and you know they yes, technically they have a conference championship game um, now, but they're still looked at as the bottom of the Power Five, and with the chaos this year. A lot of people wrote them off after they lost to Iowa State as contenders for uh, the college playoff, and now suddenly you're seeing them in it again, and he was a big factor to leading them back into it. So I, I think he's uh, I think he's definitely going to get it. He's the clear-cut favorite, and I don't think any of the off-the-field antics or anything are going to affect him. Now, moving forward into the NFL draft, that may affect his draft stock a little bit, but not a ton, I don't think. What do you think affects the Heisman Trophy hopeful more when it comes to their draft stock? Um, Baker Mayfield's character or uh, Bryce Love's ankle? That all depends upon how much Love does in the combine and in his workouts. If he goes into the combine and and shows that, I mean, they both have opportunities to show the the NFL coaches and GMs that the that each one is not as big of a factor as we're making it right now. But I think Love has the better opportunity of going in and showing that that ankle is okay in the combine and in in his workouts. Whereas Mayfield, yeah, he can talk all he wants and say that I've matured and yada, 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 and I'm not going to do that in the NFL, but it's going to be a lot harder for him to prove that uh, than it would be for Love. Yeah, the last quarterback I can remember acting like this in college was Johnny Manziel, and that worked out phenomenally for him in the NFL. Now, I don't think Mayfield is quite as bad as Manziel. Manziel had a lot of off-the-field issues, whereas Love, I think, is more of, he's a little too exuberant on the field. You know, a lot of the things that he's doing, like, on the field in regards to, you know, trying to antagonize the opponents and stuff like that, those are things that we would have been celebrating 20, 25 years ago. So, it's a lot different. Manziel... While, yes, I think that is going to affect some GM's perspective on it because, you know, you brought up Manziel right away, so they're going to have him on their mind when they're looking at Mayfield. I don't think, I'm hoping at least that it doesn't affect him too, too much because I don't think it's that big of a deal. Well, the more common comparison for Baker Mayfield isn't, Johnny Manziel, although Mayfield is a bit more undersized, although he is a bit stockier, the biggest comparison has been Russell Wilson with the ability to improvise with his arm, how he makes his plays. Now, well, we're more I, so talking about off the field, like not so much off the field, but like his, you know, extracurricular right. stuff. Right. And that's the thing with his extracurriculars and Johnny Manziel, it's not going to hurt him nearly as much. There are some GMs that would drop him down, but there would be somebody, especially in the AFC, who would be willing to take a chance on him and get him in the first round. Just like Cleveland did with Manziel, 
and not have him instead wait all the way down third, fourth round where Russell Wilson was simply because look at what Russell Wilson's done. You have a lot of teams that are willing to make that risk and accept the personality quirks and traits because he's actually going to go be in the weight room if he has to. So study film if he has to instead of going out and partying in Vegas. Uh, uh, Honestly, I would I would be perfectly happy if if the Giants are deciding to move on and go after a quarterback in the first round. I'd be perfectly fine with them going to get Baker Mayfield. And then the Giants have said that they are. If not Darnold, if not Rosen, Mayfield is going to be the third name right on everybody's mind. Now, on the flip side with Bryce Love, just like Josh Rosen hurt his stock a little bit after taking that big hit against Cal. Injury history, injury history, injury history, injury history. GM scouts, they look at that number one above almost anything else. And if they see that ankle and how it's been affecting him this entire season, that's going to hurt a little bit. Maybe where he was second round, now he's probably third round because of that. So, yeah, he's got a bit more of a downside to him, unfortunately, than Baker Mayfield does. But I think if he's able to show that that ankle is okay, I don't think his draft stock really gets hurt at all. No, and again, at the most, he would drop around. At best, especially if the ankle is fine, yeah, that they're still going to take that into account regardless, but he would only drop maybe a few picks. It'll be interesting to see what what all happens with regards to the draft in April here. Um, not to mention, it'll give them plenty of time for any and all necessary rehabilitations to be out of the way here. Because I assume that Love is probably not going to play in the bowl game much yeah, the same much no. the same way a lot of the higher expected draft picks last year kind of skipped out on bowl games as well. Well, especially what couple. bowl? What bowl are they even in? Uh, I don't know without looking it up, which says all you need to know. Exactly. A lot of the higher round, a lot of the expected higher higher overall in the NFL draft picks tend to set out their bowl games now for fear of risking injury or anything, which I think is I mean, I get why they do it, but at the same time I think it does a disservice to the academy that gave them the scholarship and put them in the position to end well, up with the potential career that they have. Well, hopefully it'll get their get um the NCAA and those and those schools that are missing out on on the bigger bowls. Um, the the kick in the pants that they need to finally get a real system in place. Agreed. We don't have enough time to get into this college football division. Yeah. But I wanted to put that out there. We'll we'll have plenty more time for our college football debate debate when we do our New Year's Six preview. Okay. For now, Bisco, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Nope, nope, I'm going to shut up. That, what I was going to say, is for another podcast. Moving forward. (laughs) Uh, One more real quick thing to touch on, and so that happened. Uh, Thoughts and well wishes sent out to Ryan Chazier. Oh, that was just, that could have been a lot worse. Very thankful to hear over the past couple of days that he's been improving getting more and more movement in his lower extremities, but, oh, that was scary. 
that was unpleasant to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not ballet or anything, but seeing a guy laying there I, 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 physically unable to move his legs is a difficult sight to see. And and I've seen a little bit too often when players do lay there and you really don't see anything happening, I automatically think the worst. Seeing that the way I did, I was like, okay, at least there's something. That's a plus. He's able to wave and move around. That's another plus. But it's floated through your mind. Is he going to end up in a wheelchair now because of this? Is he done? That would just be tragic. And while he's still not out of the woods, he's starting to get there, which very encouraging sign. The rumor is, is that the injury ended up similar to the one that Tommy Maddox suffered when he was playing for the Steelers. And Maddox was back in the NFL a year later. So the following, I mean, the following year. So hopefully mm-hmm. everything works well. And if Shazier still has a desire to play and the ability to do so, I have no doubt that we'll see Shazier back with the Steelers, possibly for the start of the 2018 NFL season, if not by the end of the 2017 one. No, we can definitely hope. Brandon, anything to add here? Yeah, just hope for a good, a quick recovery for him and, you know, all the best. All right. Like like I said, we like to joke around on this show here, but stuff like that, it's no laughing matter. No. Not at all. You know what is kind of a laughing matter, though? What would that be? One of the segments in our buy or sell situation. So let's go ahead and get into that, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon, I'm going to give you first pick here. Do you want NFL A, NFL B, or college football? Let's do NFL A. All right. I listed them out in the order that I was going to ask them. Therefore, it is an immediate segue into the question here. Juju Smith-Schuster. On Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. how do I put this politely? There's no polite way to put this. Put Vontez Burfick on his ass. <laughs> By yourself, when Smith, when Smith Schuster was trying to apologize after the game, you could hear Antonio Brown yelling karma in the background. Buy or sell that Vontez Burfick got what he deserved. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, we all know the history between the Steelers and, and the Bengals. Um, we all know about what Burfick did a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, this is definitely one of those. And it, it's it's kind of nice in a way to see a rookie come in and already know the history of, of a team and know the rivalry and get into it. Um, that's something that's kind of lacking in, in all sports nowadays. Um, but especially the NFL, uh, you know, so yeah, it was, it, it was nice seeing that, you know, gritty AFC North, uh, rivalry again. Eric? 
I'm definitely buying it. And I'm a little bit pissed at the league for suspending him and upholding that suspension because it was perfectly timed. Juju was stepping up. And if I'm either someone locally or someone with the team, I help out and I send a little bit of a fund together to make sure he gets his game check. Because mm-hmm. kids like what? that, I love them. And Brandon, you said it best. For someone coming in as a rookie, the team already rallying around you with the situation with your bike, and you're helping them out further by not just making a timely play, because that was a very important block, but doing that to a guy like Vontez perfect, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. stars align just perfectly for that. Oh, yeah. And and the the big news coming out of the NFL today, and I'm sure it is in regard, I, I think it is a rebuttal to what happened with Perfect. Apparently now the NFL is considering uh, making targeting rules a la college uh, in the NFL. And I think that's just, that would just be a disgrace to the game. Um, you know, we see what happens in college where there's a supposed targeting call and they review it and they eject the player and all of this. When you, you have to, now this one, you know, probably was a targeting, but you know, for one, it's a rivalry game. You gotta let them play a little bit. You gotta let things go a little bit. And for two, a lot of times when it is these, you know, supposed targeting calls, uh, you need some sort of, you know, physician, you know, or not physician, um, physicist or, you know, someone who understands common sense in in the booths looking at these plays because a lot of times you look at them and where are they supposed to go to stop themselves there's no time to stop yourself at the speed and velocity that you're going a lot of these like a lot of players if they do make this rule a lot of players are going to be ejected for nothing absolutely and if you look at the balance of the game, the only hit that I really would have seen or considered as targeting is the one on Antonio Brown in the end zone because that was helmet to helmet. But aside from that, I didn't see any of the problems with any of the hits. You have a rivalry that's dating back to 1970. You have quite a bit on the line with the Steelers, especially after what Tomlin said, looking ahead to the Patriots. You've got people playing and coaching for their jobs in Cincinnati. So, yeah, you're going to get this AFC North football. That's why a lot of people tuned in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did we lose? No, I'm still here. I'm having an issue with my sinuses. I had to mute my uh, microphone for oh. a few seconds. Ah. All right. So, um, well, I think the issue, though, that the, uh, the NFL might have is the taunting part of the hit that Smith-Schuster laid in on Tavontes Perfect there. And I think that might be why the game check is either is either being taken away. Or did they end up suspending him for the hit? I did not see anything as far as the suspension goes. But I do know he was fined for it. Yo, you know, he was suspended, and he appealed, and they upheld his suspension. Yeah. 
But I, I mean, I think the the whole thing that came out today about them considering making a targeting rule is a direct result of what happened. All right. And, and with something like that, I wouldn't mind a fine five, ten thousand dollars. I'd be like, okay, but that was no reason to suspend him. Yeah. I guarantee you, if they had hit him with a five or ten thousand dollar fine, Antonio Brown would have wrote the check himself. Oh yeah. <laughs> Antonio would be like, nah, I got this. You did good, kid. Mm-hmm. Or as he put it in the post-game press conference, karma! <laughs> Eric. Um, NFL or college football? I'm going to go college football. <laughs> All right. A uh, bit of a disclaimer here. I kind of teased this question last week after we went off the air. That being said, I do think it will lead to an excellent discussion, so I'm looking forward to asking it anyway. Buy or sell, Army versus Navy is the most important college football game of the calendar year. You know, as much as I've still grown to like Army-Navy, as much as it started to, thanks to last year, become a rivalry again, and I really can't wait to see the sweet uniforms that both teams are going to be wearing on Saturday. Oh, dear Lord, they're awesome. <laughs> oh, I got to sell. I mean, between Army and Navy, they've lost oh, quite a bit of their luster, especially since they've gone to respective conferences over the years, different conferences. Now, again, Army is an independent, but you haven't had really – solid teams as far as national powers or any big implications. And I think with everything going on with the building of the mega conferences and now with the playoff, that attention has been taken away very significantly from Army Navy. I'm a little bit saddened, especially now that Army won last year, looking to win again potentially this year teaser, but ah, I don't see it as the level as some of these other big games anymore. Yeah, I... In my personal opinion, I am going to buy this, but I have to agree with Eric, probably on the national level, um, it it doesn't have the prestige that it did, you know, back when Army and Navy were the, the big schools because that's where, you know, the big tough men went. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is the only game that really actually matters in college football. Um, so, you know, I'm going to buy it, uh, but I know realistically it, it's not what it used to be and i'm actually going to quickly add a little caveat to this these two are not the only army and navy football teams that play each other every year if you go and you look at the collegiate sprint football league which college football played among a handful of schools they actually just increased their weight limit. It was 172 pounds. Now it's 178. That Army-Navy game, 
played between them every year, their star game, that carries a lot more weight, especially because those two teams have been so dominant in sprint football, that game often decides a league title. And now that they have that to where they have a championship game in that league, those two teams will be meeting, I'm sure, over the next few years to decide that league title. That's really where the importance lies. Now, if Army were having a good season, even as an independent, knocking on the door of a New Year's Six Bowl or something big, or like when Navy comes in the game as conference champions or conference runners-up, then it carries a little bit more prestige. But the way things are now, I'm sorry, but that prestige has gone away. See, but that that's why I'm buying is because I know now, especially with how the, the with the playoffs and everything, they're trying to make college football more competitive. But Army Navy is what I think of when I think of college football. You know, there wasn't a national champion. There there were just the bowls. There were just games. And Army Navy is still that epitome of what college, you know, like I said before, college football needs to make up its mind. Either go back to that system of, you know, just having games or make a full tournament. And and I completely agree. And I think even in either of those systems, Army Navy would vault right back to near the top. Exactly. I'm going to go ahead and do something I don't usually do when I do these buy or sell segments here. I'm going to answer the question myself. Eh. So I need somebody to ask it. Okay, I'll ask. Buy or sell, Army-Navy is the biggest game of the year. Buy. Unequivocally buy. And the reason I say buy is because it has nothing to do with what these guys do with their football careers as soon as they're done. Mm-hmm. regardless of how you may feel about politics, regardless of how you may feel about the wars and everything else going on in the world right now, these are the men who are going to dedicate their lives to defending our freedom. And if they want to have one Saturday a year where they beat the snot out of each other on a football field and then come together to sing both of their alma maters, then I will watch that game Every single Saturday it is played for the rest of my life. And especially nowadays, even on a football on a football level, it's just a fun game to watch because they both run the option. That's one of the biggest things. I'm like, you don't see this really hardly ever outside of like three or four other schools. Outside of Georgia Tech. Yeah, and I'm like, hey... I've been tuning in especially closely now the past couple of years between the uniforms, between the style of play. I have myself now drawn into Army Navy more than I really ever have in my life. Yeah, I'm definitely I mean, I'll be at work, but I have a TV in there and I'll definitely be turning it on. Yeah, this is. This is the one college football game that even when I was getting into college football when I was a kid, and this is uh, – I knew I was a Gators fan from a young age. 
But this was the one college football game that it didn't matter what I had been doing the week before or what I was going to be doing the week after. Army-Navy Saturday, I'm sitting in front of the TV and watching Army versus Navy. And especially the better environment because the weather's been colder. I think there was snow last year. I'm hoping for a little bit more of that again on Saturday. Yes. <laughs> All right. Final question time. You guys ready? Yep. Ready. And with the final question, we head to the National Football League. Buy or sell. With Aaron Rodgers' pending return, Brett Hundley has done enough to keep the Green Bay Packers in the wild card race in the NFC. Hold on. You you answer it first. I'm just pulling up the standings real well, I got it right here. So let's see. I'm I'm gonna have to buy this. Um, you know, they're only only a game well, two games out from the, the sixth seed. Um you know, yeah, they still have to uh, deal with Detroit within their own division. Um, the NFC South is, is tricky right now because you've got three teams in the hunt and they play each other and everything. Um, will they make it? I'm not sure. That's going to be a little trickier, but are are they still in the hunt, especially with Aaron Rodgers coming back? You betcha. I am definitely going to buy this. Now, it's also going to be contingent upon not having an epic failure against Cleveland. But oh, of course. Yeah, if they get that win, looking at the positioning, okay, you mentioned the NFC South. They're going to beat each other up tremendously, and especially for that sixth seed, really between Atlanta and Seattle. Atlanta... They've got way too tough of a schedule for them to really come out too well. So between them, Seattle, which is still a little iffy, I think they can at least match wits with Detroit, especially with Aaron Rodgers back. Yeah, they're definitely in the hunt along with even a Dallas. And would it surprise me even if they find their way through a back door into the sixth seed? Absolutely not. There is one big game on their schedule next week. Well, not this upcoming week, but next the week after that will determine whether they have a chance of making it. They play the Panthers in Carolina. If they can win that game, that pushes Carolina into the outside looking in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then it's between them and Detroit. Well, I think the other team you need to look out for, too, is Seattle after they well, beat Philadelphia on Monday night. Gee, yeah, I wonder oh, if yeah. that one. Yeah, and, and I even mentioned Seattle because Russell Wilson, the one-man band, is keeping things going in the Pacific Northwest. And, and not just beat uh, Philly. They dominated Philly. Philly did not get a lead that entire game. If only somebody had said that Seattle was going to beat Philadelphia on Monday Night Football. 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, I got mine right too. Okay, in fairness, the Chiefs are in a free fall. I know this. And Marcus Peters is apparently having a mental episode. And lest we forget where Seattle is playing next week. So uh, if I am Green Bay, I'm sweating a little bit. Oh, they have a they have an uphill battle, definitely. But do they have a chance? Absolutely. You guys ready to get it together? Yep. Yes. All right, let's do so here. Uh, Eric, who's getting it together in your opinion? Okay. Uh, I know I'm going to catch a lot of crap, but to me, it's relevant. Look at here, college football playoff committee. I get it. You have shown a four-year love affair with two schools. Bachelor style, there was only one that could get the rose. I completely understand. But look at here. Everybody talks about your guys, and everybody talks about what you wanted to do, even with group of five representation and all this and that at the beginning. You obviously didn't. Look at the calendar. February is right around the corner. Just about half of your committee including Chair Kirby Holcutt, your terms expire. What are you really going to do? What message are you going to send? Are you really going to keep everybody around and create all of this extra drama for ESPN? Or are you going to finally build things the way you wanted to from the get-go and make this a little bit more reasonable and tolerable for the rest of us? So to the committee, I am warning you now, you better get it together. Well, that's a lost cause. So, I mean, if if I knew we could choose that, I, I would have cho- chosen it myself. But uh, we know that's not going to happen until either the NCAA steps in or they just, yeah. I still have hope that ESPN bleeds enough money to where they'll intervene. <laughs> But they wouldn't intervene. They, they're they too short-sighted and too focused on big names. They wouldn't think of what we're thinking. They wouldn't think of a full tournament. If it's, I don't know. No, if, it means the opportunity, if it means the opportunity to air more and more key matchups of these big, conference, these big college football teams, I think, it's, I think ESPN might be willing to consider the concept. They own the right, so they can do pretty much whatever. Brandon? I'm going to stick with my get-together from last week because they laid another goose egg. Kansas City Chiefs, after going 5-0 and to start off the season, you proceed to go 1-8, of eight, or 1-7, of seven, excuse me. In the la- in your last seven, your playoff after being almost a, a shoe in by winning your first five straight, your playoff hopes are starting to slip away from you. It's it's a miracle at that at six and six you are still in first place in the AFC West. That just shows how pathetic the AFC West is. But even there, there, 
the L.A. Chargers and the Oakland Raiders are hot on your tail, tied with you in in the uh, in first place in the West. If you want to keep your playoff hopes alive, you got to get it together and get it together now. Does anybody remember the year that the NFC South winner, the NFC South winner, was like seven and nine? Seven, eight, and one went up against Ryan Lindley and the Arizona Cardinals in the playoffs. I remember I also, that fondly. I, 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 I'm not embarrassed. Well, I am embarrassed to say, but I also remember uh, a couple of years ago when the NFC East uh, winner was what seven and nine or nine and seven. Well, that was uh, eight and seven, but you did have a ways back. As a matter of fact. The year after the Saints won the Super Bowl, that following year, they had to travel to 7-9 NFC West champion Seattle. Oh, yes, I remember that. And, and Seattle uh, thumped them, didn't they? Hashtag Beastquake. <laughs> hey, Brandon, I have a thought for you in regards to your Kansas City thing. Okay. You know how Kansas City started 5-0? and yeah, yeah. In the week since San Francisco, has, San Francisco has more wins than Kansas City does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, speaking of train wrecks and dumpster fires that need to get it together, good old Rocky Top. <laughs> Tennessee, you never cease to have amusement. Uh, and, and what's hilarious, too, is that their fans every year think that they're going to do amazing. But, but, but they finally might have gotten a coach now, maybe. Hold on. Do not steal my thunder, Watkins. <laughs> Jesus. Anywho, um, let's first talk about the six coaches that they didn't get, which led to their athletic director getting fired, even though he should have been fired for being a dumbass in the first place. <laughs> let's second of all talk about the fact that their fan base didn't want Greg Schiano as their head coach, even though it has since been proven that Schiano had nothing to do with the Jerry Sandusky thing in Penn State University. But even without that, um, I think Eric uh, can agree with me on this, that uh, Jerry Schiano is not exactly all that great of a head football coach. I I think Greg Schiano was an excellent football coach at Rutgers. Yeah, he was. I admit he was okay at Rutgers, turning them around to what they did. Just for the love of God, keep him away from the NFL. (laughs) Well, not to mention, too, I think Brandon has a built-in bias when it comes to Rutgers. I do. I'll admit that. But even then, like, yeah, he was decent, but, you know. And now, as Eric tried to steal my thunder and mention, it appears that Tennessee has finally decided on a new head football coach. His name is Jeremy Pruitt. He is the current defensive coordinator of the Alabama Crimson Tide. I guess they figure Kirby Smart worked out for Georgia, so why not? Oh, that wasn't even the name that I thought they were thinking of. So, wow. Okay, then. (laughs) uh, Okay, now I'm curious. What name did you hear? T. Martin. 
No, I heard T. Martin is offensive coordinator. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's cool. Florida had fun making Florida had fun making T. Martin our big Enjoy doing it again. <laughs> Tennessee. I know the segment is called this, but oh God, don't get it together. You're far too entertaining this way. The t- Tennessee is to college what I don't know. I don't know what's a better comparison: the Jets or the Browns are to uh, the NFL. Cleveland. Ten. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, I, I remember seeing the joke on Twitter. We now go live to the University of Tennessee athletics department, and it's just a gigantic dumpster fire picture. Yeah, I think I. Yeah, I saw that. As I said, I know the segment is called "Get It Together," but for the love of God, Tennessee, please don't. <laughs> please never do. You're too funny. Exactly. And and yeah, I'm still a little bit bitter because Tennessee has cost the U a couple of national championships. This is what they deserve. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and move on now and step once again onto the train. Woo woo. Sean. Oh, Sean. (laughs) <laughs> He's ignoring us probably now. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. No doubt. Also, why am I echoing? I don't know. All right, it's gone now. I, I feel like we're being ignored by our producer right now. I I, I think so. I, I can only imagine why. I, mean. <laughs> uh, I can answer that question for you, Eric. Uh, 27 to nothing. Shut out. Score at one point in the Florida Atlantic North Texas Conference USA Championship game. <laughs> I remember saying that I thought the final score was going to be 49 to 21. I wasn't far off. 41-17. No, you really weren't. And even then, towards the end, I was like, yeah, North Texas, they're not going to make it close. Why are they trying? (laughs) Mean Green gets steamrolled. There's your headline. Lane train. Woo, woo. (laughs) Nine, I believe, especially with this conference championship win. They finish in Conference USA play nine and zero, and ten and three on the season, with a pretty big bowl game coming up. So I have to say, Lane Kiffin, you done impressed me. You ain't Miami, but you done impressed me. Uh, it is once again at this point that I would take a second to laugh at Tennessee. <laughs> And with that, the lane train has reached its destination. <laughs> Guys, I got one last question for you before we get out of here. Are you ready? Ready? Yeah, ready. Are you serious? <laughs> All right. So, due to the fact that there is one college football game this week, unless you count the Division Three. Unless you count the Division Three semifinals or the FCS playoff games, which we don't, 
There is only one game of relevance in college football this weekend. Therefore, our prediction for college football this week will be our prediction for the Army-Navy game. Steven sent me his picks, and he is picking Navy on Saturday. Eric, who you got? Hashtag go Army, hashtag beat Navy. <laughs> they, uh, the Black Knights ended the midship streak last year. I think this year they get a keep a streak of their own going. I got Army in this one. <laughs> Bisco. My hashtag, I'll stick with the hashtag theme. Hashtag anchors away. Navy gets their revenge this year. Eric? You already gave ours. No, Eric. For the NFL pick? No. It's my turn. Oh, who you got? (laughs) Hashtag go Navy. Hashtag beat Army. (laughs) Oh, 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 okay. The three to one. (laughs) You ride alone with your prediction of the Black Knights. Hey, I rode alone with my prediction last week, and how did that turn out? Okay, this island right. looks awesome right now. I, yes, because your team played so well for it. Hey, if, I was realistic. Thank you very much. Yes, but if, to be fair to Eric, I think uh, Army does have the better record this year. Yeah, they do. They, they were, do. Eight and three to six and five. Not to mention, I've seen the way that Navy's playing, and uh, I'm trusting Army's option and their offense a little bit better than I am with Navy right now. Yeah, but let's also not forget something else that's very important here, too. It's more than just pride on the line this time. The Commander Chief Trophy is on the line in this game since both teams have beaten Air Force this year. Ooh, that, ooh. And that is something that Navy does not like to lose. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> they better be prepared. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Uh, like, like, uh, like Brandon said, I'm rolling with Navy in this one. All right, Brandon, NFL time. You serious? First off. Let me say, thank God the Macadoo is gone. Although, okay, I'm going to disagree with you because, quite frankly, I am pissed off that stepped in Macadoo is not going to be a thing. I know. Okay. Macadoo is What can you say? Yes, but I am also annoyed that the streak had to end for that. Um, but with that being said. With a new head coach, with a new GM coming in eventually, the team is going to want to rally around this new uh, this new leadership. And it, in a big rivalry game, the Giants hurt the Cowboys' playoff hopes and beat them at MetLife this week. Okay, slim as those playoff hopes may be. But this is actually a game that affects a couple of other scenarios. Very true. 
Um, while Eric is giving his pick, I will look up Stevens and then I will have my pick as well. Eric, you're up. Now, there is arguably the best game of the week, especially on paper. Two teams, while flying high, stumbling a little bit. Two division leaders, two teams fighting unexpectedly for a first-round bye and home field advantage. Two dynamic offenses, and it happens to be the quarterback that went 1-2 in the draft. Now, your, your convention is saying, oh, the Rams, they're at home, they've gotten it together, and blah, 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 blah. That's why they're the favorite. No, fair audience. I bringeth unto thee the wrath of the national television curb stomping that the Los Angeles Rams shall face. Fly, Eagles, fly away to victory. <laughs> Billy is taking it this weekend. Um, but not in the same way they took it from Seattle, I'm assuming. <laughs> Yeah, this time they're going to be giving it instead if we're going that route. Okay, so it, it's they're going from catcher to pitcher is what you're saying. Do yes. know? Um, by the way, fare thee well to the Mac a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Steven's pick is Seattle over Jacksonville. How Jack? Wait uh, I think game getting. I think this game getting pushed back to a 425 start helps Seattle because we all know West Coast teams don't fare well in a 1 p.m. window. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. I'm just surprised that Jacksonville's a favorite in this one. I guess just because they're home? I don't – well, yeah, it's the line is three and home's worth three and a half traditionally, so. Oh, yeah. Oh. Basically, on a neutral field, this would be a pick em. Yeah, that's fair. Fair. So, you know how I said San Francisco has more wins than Kansas City since Kansas City started 5-0? and Mm-hmm. It's almost like I had that line planned to set up something later. Hmm. <laughs> Gee, Harry. What could you possibly mean by that? <laughs> the San Francisco Fighting Garoppolos get their second win in a row as they go to Houston and take down the floundering Texans. Wow. Okay. That would help. Isn't Houston like four and eight now? Oh. Five and seven at best. I want to say five and seven. Houston is four and eight. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. No wonder everybody talks so much crap about two AFC South teams making the playoffs. Now I see why. <laughs> it's between Tennessee and Jacksonville in the AFC South. Yeah, and odds are whichever team doesn't win the division is getting a wild card at this point. Yeah, it's between basically three or five. More or less. battle between like five teams for the uh, wild the two wild card spots. Uh, um, whoever doesn't win between Jacksonville and Tennessee, yeah. Baltimore, Buffalo, Oakland, and Kansas City. Yeah, or 
Oakland and Sa- uh, Los Angeles right now since Kansas yeah. City technically leads the division. Yeah. But yeah, it's all five teams in that seven and five slash six and six window for the sixth spot. Yeah. Anywho, so yeah, that's going to be my pick here. I'm going to pick San Francisco in the fight in Garoppolo's. Hmm. Hey, it worked out for them against Chicago. The game was ugly, but a win is a win is a win. Exactly. Wins are all that matter, and they don't need that high of a draft pick anyways. And when it comes to Chicago, well, they are who we thought they were. Exactly. They don't (laughs) trust Trubisky. Fox might be out the door. It's okay. Our... One of our big one of our big off season episodes will definitely focus on the coaching carousel in the NFL as well. Like I feel we could do an entire episode in regards to the coaching changes in college in the NFL. Oh, definitely. As a matter of fact, I'm officially decreeing that, that during our off season, we're going to do a full episode dedicated solely to the coaching changes in college in the NFL. Perfect. Great. It'll give us something to discuss and an opportunity to have a. Because let's be honest here, and we, we've kind of talked about this behind the scenes here. We've not officially announced anything in this regard, but we will make it official here. The kickoff is not going to be a weekly broadcast during the football offseason. There is no reason for that to happen. We will appear sporadically, specifically when major events happen, and then we will be right back at you at the start around the time of the Hall of Fame game with a weekly commentary once again. But in the downtime, we will find topics to talk about, and we will do so probably on around a bi-weekly basis. We'll obviously hit the NFL. Especially doing one for the draft and everything. We'll definitely hit the week before and the week after the draft. One to preview the draft, one to break down how we thought our teams and as well as the other teams did in regards to the biggest winners and losers. We'll definitely have a postseason episode where we give out our final year-end awards and we talk about our overall impressions of the Super Bowl and everything such as that. We will definitely do an episode at the beginning of next year, much the same way how we launched the kickoff this year with our predictions as well. More updates as far as the schedule of the kickoff going into the offseason, as well as we approach year two, as it becomes more readily available due to the fact that that we're still in the process of getting through year one. It is still, after all, week 14 in the National Football League. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, do we have anything else to say before we get out of here? Oh, it's that time of year. If you're getting hit by the cold front, stay warm. If you're around the fires, stay safe. Everybody else, enjoy your upcoming weekend of football. And by the way, as long as either Mount Union and or Wisconsin Whitewater are in the playoffs, D3 matters. At least to me. I will have you know that Wisconsin Whitewater didn't make the playoffs in D3 this year. I know. Believe me, I was startled and confused. (laughs) That being said, I am about an hour away from Mount Union's campus, so they are relevant in these parts as well. Brandon, your final thoughts on the evening? Um, just looking forward to a good week of football. 
like we talked about earlier, Army-Navy is always fun, and we're down onto the home stretch of the NFL, so a good couple of weeks uh, looking forward. Buffalo, it's simple. Miami, twice. New England, once more, this time in Foxborough, and hopefully in a game where it won't matter for New England. Get yeah, it done. Probably not. Get it done, Buffalo. We are New in the clearly... New England will probably still be fighting for that number one seed at that point. I Let don't me know. Let's face the Steelers. Oh yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that next week's next week's Pittsburgh New England uh, CBS national broadcast at 4:25 is going to be the decider in the AFC. But let me have this, Brandon. We still have a chance here. <laughs> Very well. We are one of the five teams in the clearly inferior AFC that still has a chance. Hey, my my team's completely out. I'm just watching football for fun now and for this. Well, at least you guys won the first to fire your coach sweepstakes. You got that going for you. Thankfully, I was ho- I was I was wondering if we were going to get it. Again, still sad that stepped in Macadoo won't be a thing. I am so glad it's not. For our executive producer, Sean Garmer, and my co-hosts, Eric Watkins and Brandon Biskibing, my name is Harry Broadhurst. This has been the kickoff on the W2M Network, available online at www.w2mnet.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next Wednesday night. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.